Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, I'm your host, Anka Corbin with Globig. Our hot international business and HR topic today is using artificial intelligence for profiling when recruiting internationally. And our guest expert is Bill Armstrong, the president of Gava Talent Solutions. Gava Talent Solutions, or GTS, is a global leader in professional staffing and consulting services, and they do business in over 100 countries. Welcome, Bill. It's so nice to have you back on the Globig podcast. No, oh, thank you. Likewise. So we all know that recruiting and identifying the right candidate from a huge applicant pool is a pretty tough job for talent acquisition leaders, right? They, I think that the hiring volumes are only increasing, and and I would say about I've I've read anywhere from you know fifty to seventy percent of recruiting teams find that they're overwhelmed and and they just think that this is one of the toughest things that they're doing. So you know, given that our topic is AI, how is it being used in the hiring process? And, and generally speaking, what's the goal? You know, I, I think the goal I, I, using these tools, I think, is always, um, you know, the same as when you're doing any kind of hire. And you want to you wanna get it done faster and you want to improve the quality of the people that you're looking at. And I think that this uh, AI uh, technology kind of fits right in. Um, you know, to accomplishing both of those. And so early on, a lot of the AI tools that you saw were more built around, you know, how can we sort through these resumes? But I think companies are getting smarter. The tools are getting more sophisticated. And what you're seeing now is people are starting to use these. Companies are starting to use them um, right at the beginning as they build their job description for the role because there are now tools out there that will enable a company to get real-time feedback on how many candidates may potentially be out there in their geography um, for the type of role that they're looking at. And so it gives them a chance to maybe put in their wish list and then see what that looks like. And maybe if I take this out or put that in, does that start to open my candidate pool? Uh, And and they're able to do that real-time, which, um, you know, is just a huge um, benefit, um, you know, if you think about what you used to do is run that ad and either get no response or get an overwhelming response, neither one of what you're looking for, and then have to go back, retool it, run this ad again, and now you're weeks into the process, and literally this can do it for you pretty much um, at the at the snap of a finger. And then, yeah, yeah, I think that's very interesting. And then one of the other things. Um, that we're also seeing companies start to use the uh, AI tools for is to better target passive candidates. Because when the unemployment rate, you know, in general is as low as it is right now, um, you don't have as many people necessarily as many uh, uh, of the top, you know, which you would think of as your high quality candidates um, aren't out there paying as much attention um, to recruitment advertising and things like that, as they as they, they might be, um, you know, in other kinds of markets. So, what what these AI tools can do is they can actually um, source profiles. They can, uh, and they will also source 
companies and they'll look for any companies that had any kind of a layoff or um, you know, maybe a very poor earnings report. Um, they'll look at how long candidates have been in their job. And then they'll take all of this information and then kick back out to you. These are the candidates that we think would be most receptive to your recruiting efforts for this job. So, uh, and I think that is, uh, you know, one of the hardest things for a recruiter is, um, is, you know, kind of narrowing it down to your short list. And this, in effect, is sort of having you start with, a, uh, in, in effect, a, you know, a type of a short list um, so that you have a much better uh, chance of engaging those candidates that would be considered the passive candidates that aren't currently looking. So I think those are two um, very neat uses of this, you know, right on, on, the, on, the, on the front edge before you really even start getting into the recruiting. And then, of course, I think the other thing that we see is that that these tools are also, you know, they've been known for pretty much since they started, is helping you sort through if you do have a big stack of resumes. It's one of the most frustrating things for somebody uh, in HR or in, uh, you know, some other type of recruitment role is it just takes so much time to go through the resumes and it's so frustrating when you go through the resumes and then you come out of it potentially with nothing or it's taken you so long to get through it that by the time you find the three or four candidates that you like and you actually reach out to them, they're not available anymore. Mm. And so using an, an artificial intelligence tool to be able to very quickly sort through a high volume of resumes and then let you know which ones are the most pertinent so you can take action on those immediately is a big, big benefit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it just makes it sound like it's more really aggressive recruiting and proactive recruiting as well as then the administrative task of, you know, kind of weeding through and doing that quicker. It, whereas, as you were mentioning in the past, it was really just kind of more that administrative piece, right? Yeah, I think it's just much, it enables you to be much more targeted. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it's almost like uh, it's like a fish finder in a way, right? For people that it's saying, hey, go over here, as opposed to just trying to drag a net through the whole lake and see what you get. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, just a much more efficient way, um, you know, of getting the process started. So there's some, obviously some really, really clear benefits around this. What are some of the challenges in using AI for hiring and profiling? Yeah, I, I think some of the, the, the challenges are that um, that these are very complex algorithms that are used um, in these AI tools. And, though, and to, to have those algorithms be really effective and have those tools be really effective, particularly if, you know, machine learning is involved, that it requires a lot of data. Um, and I've seen some studies that have said, you know, that that you literally, um, you, you know, once you get up to where you have hundreds of thousands of resumes that have come through one of these tools, then the thing becomes incredibly effective. Mm. Um, but that is a lot of data, mm -hmm. and so the, the results um, are only going to be good. The information you get out, you know, the age-old thing, right? It's only as good as the information that's going in. So I think people have to understand that and be, um, you know, very realistic about it, um, that um, 
about the data that they're using and, and how, uh, you know, these tools are collecting the data. So it's really early, think, right? It is really early. It's really early. And then I think, you know, one of the, the, the what's seen, I think, is one of the, the benefits um, of AI that can also be a challenge is we start getting into the area of, um, you know, hiring biases. Right. And I think, of course, today, you know, you want to prevent these biases as much as you can in hiring. And if you think about, you know, using a tool with algorithms and things like that, that are pulling these um, uh, no emotional attachment or pulling these resumes and, and profiles and so forth, that it can be an excellent way to prevent any type of hiring uh, bias um, in your process. However, you know, these machines can learn human biases. So you've got to be careful that you aren't feeding in information um, that's basically just confirming some bias that might already be built into the organization. Um, so, you know, that's just something that has to be on the radar that, that will, could be a, you know, a great advantage of it could also potentially be, um, you know, it, it could backfire a bit um, if you don't, uh, you know, make sure that you aren't sort of baking in, you know, sort of some, you know, preconceived biases there. Um, but in general, you know, like we talked about the speed, um, the quality of the hire. Um, and then I think if you were to talk about the, you know, challenges from the, um, you know, HR, uh, perspective, it's just, gee, I don't have time to do all of this. Um, and then they would also, you know, talking about the, the cost of a, of a bad hire. Mm. And, uh, and so ideally if you're getting this better pool of candidates, um, you're getting the right data in there and you're getting a high, higher quality pool to, to pick from that you avoid that. Um, and so in the long run, these things can, you know, more than pay for themselves. But I can see your point, right? So if you, for example, if the AI is always learning from you and you as a corporation, the last 10 hires looked similar. So let's say they were, you know, a, a male between... 25 and 35 and that was the win if you will right so there's like this constant feedback that says well i'm more likely to win if i just focus on this group because those were the ones that were picked recently right so that i can see the perpetuation if you will of some biases that may not have been intentional but they could easily be then learned by the ai right Yes, that, that's exactly right. Exactly right. So it almost needs to be some sort of a clearing of that. So while we do want to learn and ha have the machines learn, we also want them to not pick up our biases so that they don't learn our bad habits, right? Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Fascinating. So one of the things we wanted to chat a little bit about is, is how is this different when you're looking at an inner, you know, from an international perspective, right? So I would imagine a lot of the same challenges apply, but maybe there's some unique ones. So kind of what do you think from when you look at globally, what do you see as, as kind of unique variables, if you will, that apply just because you're crossing borders? Yeah. And I think, um, I think a lot of, I think everything that we've talked about already, you know, certainly applies whether you're talking about international hiring or, you know, doing something, you know, in terms of domestic hiring. I think one of the big factors that has to be considered now um, 
is um, you know GDPR, which is the uh, General Data Protection Regulation that uh, went into effect at the end of May um, that governs all of Europe. And basically, um, you know, GDPR involves uh, what client what how companies can collect data, store it, use it, and disclose it. And it greatly expands uh, the things that the uh, that the candidates have to be uh, notified about. Uh, candidates have to write; to, they have to be offered a right to opt out of uh, of um, you know you being able to to store and use their data. Um, and so it can be when you're using any type uh, of a tool, you have to be very careful now. There's there's a that that you're that you are not using a non-compliant technology. Um, that technology, you know, has to be compliant with them, um, you know, with GDPR in terms of, and I think particularly, you know, in, in these kinds of situations, the data collection and storage, um, the candidate has to, you know, have, just be much more well-informed on exactly what's happening there. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the penalties can be quite stiff um, if you're found, um, you know, to be in violation of these uh, GDPR standards. And then I think it also, you, you have to think a little bit from it on the candidate side too, because knowing that these artificial intelligence tools are um, growing at such a rapid rate, and if you begin to opt out um, in, in such a way is that your data isn't visible uh, to these uh tools and companies can't collect it, they can't store it, um, then are you potentially, you know, walling yourself off um, from some opportunities that you might be interested in as this technology begins to grow? Um, so it's, it's really interesting. Um, you know, we're sitting here the first week of June. Um, this is just, like I said, uh, gone live within the past um, couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. Um, that I think that, uh, you know, that, that, that those are just some of the things you need to be aware of. And, you know, and then I think at a, at a later date, you know, you and I will be talking a little bit more, um, about how this impacts interviewing. And I think that's also where, um, you know, this comes into play when you're talking about some international hires. Can I ask, have you already seen, um, candidates deciding that they would prefer not to be profiled by AI and and selecting that because that is their right. Um, is that something that people are starting to do because they think it might be an advantage to them? Or I'm just curious what whether we are already starting to see that behavior, if you will. You know, I think it's from a you know sort of a GDPR perspective. I think it's it, it's too soon to tell. Okay. Um, I do know that, um, you know, from time to time when we do some, you know, targeted email marketing or something like that, um, you do always have a certain percentage of people um, that will ask to opt out of the program, mm -hmm. which, you know, obviously we want to make sure that, um, you know, we absolutely honor those requests. Sure. And so I, I, I just think it's, it'll be interesting of, um, you know, with the GDPR compliance and, you know, you probably seen it already on I mean, almost every website that I go on to nowadays, and particularly if the company has any sort of presence in Europe, it, it, there's something on there that says we use cookies and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you, you have to, 
basically yes, accepted or, you know, but if you refuse to accept the cookies, then um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you won't get on the website. But again, if you're tying this back into some sort of a artificial intelligence um, uh, tool that might be, you know, doing things with those, it, it's just, you know, it's interesting how it will all play out. I agree. You know, we, we were just talking about the candidate. And so there is the potential, like you had said, that they may, might, you know, they may miss out on an opportunity. But how might candidates play the game better, if you will, right? What? How do you make your resume stand out to AI? What are some of the key things that AI is going to be looking for? Is there a direct correlation between the keywords that are in a job description and the keywords that are in a resume? Like, can this be gamed? Can this be done better? Are there going to be people that just do well and then others that don't? I'm curious if you have any advice for those candidates out there that are going to be having AI, you know, work through their resumes. Yeah, I think that it can de can definitely, um, there are definitely some things you can do uh, to, to make your resume more attractive, you know, in, in, in this world. And I think one of them, it goes back to, you know, just what you were saying is that, um, you know, this is, you, you sort of have to play to the algorithms because we were talking earlier about how companies are taking certain words they're able to now get real-time feedback putting those taking those words putting them in and out of job descriptions and looking at the pool of candidates and really what that ai tool is doing is it's it's looking at resumes profiles all of these things that it can get um you know get the information on to see if if those things that you're looking for in the job description are pre are prevalent you know in in, in the area that you're in and so making sure that you have those keywords on your resume um, is critical. Um, and, you know, like if you're in finance, you know, revenue recognition, maybe you have something like ASC 606 on there, just whatever mm -hmm. the hot buttons are in your field that you know are in demand. And, and I think that the best way to do that is if you're a candidate, you should look, you should think about what's the ideal job that you're going for. And then you should go to several websites or you can go to, you know, Indeed or any one of these tools or LinkedIn and pull some job descriptions for that target job and look at several of them and mm -hmm. see what words are in those job descriptions and then make sure that those words are on your resume. And I think that would pertain, um, you know, to those technical skills, some of the things that we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, but also some of the things pertaining to, you know, the soft skills, whether it's, you know, team builder, great communicator, whatever it might be, but getting those things on your resume, because if they're in the job description, those are the things that um, the people are going to be searching for. Um, and obviously you want to do that responsibly. <laughs> I would sure. highly encourage you not That's to right. put them on if you don't have them. <laughs> right, right. I think but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Do you know, will they also compare your LinkedIn profile and other social media profiles just so that there's consistency within that as well? Is that another thought to just make sure that your web profile that could potentially be compared or combed or, you know, is also consistent? So, yeah, so two points on that. One is I think every candidate has to understand that at some point in the hiring process, 
whether it's with artificial intelligence or it's just it's a good old fashioned human being, every hiring manager, every recruiter is going to look you up on LinkedIn and they are going to compare your resume to that LinkedIn profile. Uh, it, uh, you know, I, I, it's one of the, you know, first things we do when we get a resume that, that, um, you know, that we like is we go, what do you do? Let me go connect with them on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, and you pull them up. And then if they look different, that, that's a huge red flag. Right. And so it, it could happen early in the process. It could happen very late in the process, but it, it's going to happen. And then I think LinkedIn, you know, your profiles being on LinkedIn make how you set that up. You have to have those keywords in LinkedIn just as much now as you have to have them on your resume. And I also think in LinkedIn, there's a, a summary section, you know, at the top. And some people will leave that blank, but that summary section section is a great opportunity, you know, to write a little, you know, to the point, uh, small paragraph about yourself mm-hmm. where you have the opportunity to put in as many of these keywords as you can appropriately fit in there to make yourself, um, you know, attractive for some of these AI tools that are searching those profiles. Absolutely. So, you know, link, LinkedIn definitely, definitely fits in here. Great advice. Any other thoughts that could make a candidate more attractive? I, I think an, another thing that you have to be aware of as a candidate um, is having. It, it, we've seen like a the proliferation of of um, you know very creative job titles over the past several years. Right. Um, you know, and I saw one like an HR manager was a chief people evangelist. Um, So that might be fun. And in your company, you might be the chief people evangelist. And that's what it might say in your business card. But if you are thinking about um, being a candidate for another opportunity, and and you have a resume that you're, you're, you're responding to, or you want people to notice your LinkedIn profile, you need to put the more traditional title on there. Mm-hmm. Because that's where these tools aren't going to, you know, people evangelist is not necessarily um, going to be captured for a lot of the positions that you, you know, that that person might be interested in. So, you know, it's okay to have that title um, at your company. Um, but I think that if you're, you know, in in the job market, you want the resume and the LinkedIn profile to have the more traditional title so that these things can be found in these searching tools. And then I think the other thing is you want to have, um, you know, if you're posting your resume out there or applying to, to some ad with your resume, you really want the resume um, to be in a standard format mm-hmm. because that's the other thing that will trip up some of these artificial intelligence tools sometimes is if somebody gets very, very, um, you know, creative with how they format the resume, and then things just simply aren't where the tool thinks they should be, then, Ah. you know, you're not going to get captured. Great advice. I hadn't really thought about that at all. Or even if it was in something that wasn't legible, perhaps, right? So think in terms of file format as well. Exactly. And, you know, we sort of come full circle on the on the resumes where you know you're trying to think uh, 
uh, particularly if you're maybe some sort of creative discipline, mm-hmm. you know, you really, you know, want to make that resume um, be, a, you know, be in a, a way that you can really stand out and differentiate yourself. And it might be in a very different format, different font, different layout, maybe different colored paper and all that sort of thing. And you've got to realize that today, nobody deals with paper resumes anymore. Mm-hmm. And these things that, that at one point may have gotten you noticed are probably now going to get you lost, <laughs> right. get, get you left behind. And so, you know, if you get to the point where you have an in-person interview and you want to bring something with you to hand a person um, that you think um, might make you stand out a little bit more if you are in one of those creative type fields, that's great. But in terms of the resume that you're using to respond and uh, your title and how you have LinkedIn set up, um, you can, you know, make the, you can get the keywords in there. You can be creative in how you describe yourself, but the format and the titles and things like that really do need to be standardized. That's great advice. I hadn't thought of a couple of those. That's really interesting stuff. Any other thoughts around, um, the AI for profiling when recruiting around the world. I want to make sure that we have a chance to get everything in. Yeah, you know, the only other thing that I would add is that if you're, is that that this this is a wave that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I the, the study was done earlier this year by one of the you know big four consulting firms, and uh, basically thirty eight percent of the companies that they surveyed indicated they were currently using an AI tool. And within the next 12 months, 62% of the companies expected that they would be utilizing a tool. So um, this this wave is coming. Um, and I think that, if, that as a candidate, you need to be aware of that. So you're positioning yourself properly. And then you know, if you're a company that's hiring, you need to understand that as well, because um, you don't want to be in a situation, you know, everything's competitive, right? In a mm-hmm. situation where some other company has these tools that you don't, and they're finding your candidate before you find them. Absolutely. Um, so it's, you know, a topic worth, uh, you know, worth spending some time on. Absolutely. Bill, as always, that was super, super interesting. I want to thank you very much for joining us again. And it's always a pleasure to have you as our guest. So everyone, make sure that you join the free resource hub on globig.co. And if you're serious about doing business internationally, the Globig International Business, HR, and Data Privacy Management Platform connects you to great HR services like Gava Talent and makes your day-to-day much more productive. You can also subscribe to this podcast channel for more fantastic international expansion podcasts. Thanks for joining today.